we appreciate you being here. If this is your first time, just like my wife said, um, we, are, this, we really believe that San Angelo is blessed. It's a blessed community. We have a lot of wonderful places to, to, to fellowship and to worship in this community. And we're really grateful that you chose to connect with us this morning. And our hope is that this time together will help you to grow in knowing God better and trusting him more. That's what this life of being a Christ follower, being a Christian, can really be summed up in is knowing God. It's relational and trusting him. It's this place where we recognize he's smarter than us. He loves us more than we even can wrap our minds around and his ways are better than our ways. And we trust him and we let him and the, Holy, the, 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 the influence of the Holy Spirit change our lives forever. Well, this is the part of the service where those that came prepared to give, we do that. There's never any pressure or anything whatsoever. Um, but we are, we big time at Celebration Church believe that generosity is part of being a Christ follower. The, <clears throat> the most known scripture on the planet, John 3.16, for God so loved that he gave. It's part of who he is. It's part of his identity and how he operates. So as we are his children, then we should naturally be generous, radical givers ourselves. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians 9-7 because this comes from a unique spot. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 9-7. It says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Let's pause right there. That means we should be thinking about it. That means when opportunities, when resources come our way, we ought to be going, God, what part of this, what, what would you like me to do with this? Our default is to spend it all on ourselves, to consume it for ourselves or to rat hole it and stick it away for a rainy day for ourselves. But a generous spirit says, God, I recognize that this isn't the last thing you're ever going to bless me with. Lord, is there some way I can be a blessing to somebody else? And you're thinking, you're deciding. So each of you should give as you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. That means there's no arm twisting, no force here. It should be this heart relational thing. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. It isn't that God just loves people who give cheerfully. It's that God delights in it when we begin to reflect his nature by us of our own accord, of our own nature, of our own desires, begin to step out in this generosity thing. We begin to reflect our Papa God's heart when we begin to do that. And so this morning, let's just let this be a recognition of who God is and what he's done on our behalf. Let's take a little moment of reflection and say, God, how can I be a blessing? And we just want to step out and do that. This is, at this point, those that have the baskets can go ahead and step out and, and can pass those around. We also, um, this is where your prayer requests would be put. Um, my wife told you if this is your first time, hang on to that piece of paper, um, that card with the, the information you filled out because we want to give you a gift on the way out. We want to exchange that with you. And um, But everybody else, you can select those in here. And so um, now we're going to step over into our <coughs> teaching for the morning. Uh, and so we are in the, the latter part, the ending up of a series we've simply called Detox. And all summer we've been tracking through the rich, thick, amazing book of Romans. We broke it up into three series, but we've just gone chapter by chapter, 
a week at a time. And anybody who's a Bible scholar at all says, wow, you're just skipping across Romans if you're hitting a chapter a week. And yes, we are. We're skipping across Romans. And so in, in hitting some of the high points of Romans. And this week we find ourselves um, tracking along in Romans 15. And, and remember, initially we talked about that the, the first eight um, chapters, the first half of Romans, we call crux because it helped us understand what the crux of the message, what the crux of this life in Christ is really about. And then there was the next three that we broke off into another little chapter called paradox because it enters into some of the things that seem paradoxical and, and these truths that, that begin to reveal God's heart that seem a little contrary to one another. And now we've stepped into starting with the amazing Romans 12, 1 and 2 to step into this thing we've called detox. Why? Because when we come to God um, and we connect with God, he meets us right where we are. Somebody may need to hear that this morning. God meets you. He's with you now. Whether you're squirming at the thought of that or not, or you're reveling in it and it's just blessing you, he's with you now. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. And when, as soon as we begin to connect with him and say, I recognize you've been pursuing me all this time. God, I, I want to do this. And guess what? He meets us where we are. and We've got baggage. We've got junk. We've got stuff. We've, we've got the toxins of our own choices and culture and the things that have happened to us and the world we live in and the influences and we have this mess and praise God, we're his children. He loves us. We're heaven ready. But man, to live the life God's called us to live, woo, it's time for some detox. It's time for some stuff to come out. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 begins with this beautiful concept that, that we have... <clears throat> We step into this thing by the transforming and the renewing of our minds. No change can happen in your life until the way you think changes. It's just not going to happen. No change can happen until the way you think changes. So as we've tracked along, we've been looking for those moments. Lord, change the way we think. Help us to think differently. So if you've got your Version app open, you can use your electronic bulletin for all of you tech savvy people and everybody who's old school and loves to fill us some paper and a pen. You got your bulletin there and we just track along together. And so we've looked at this concept all series long. It says that the magnitude of what God has done for all of us is best revealed by letting him work in each of us. The truth is, is more than likely there's been somebody in your life that the, that the hand of God, the power of God at work in their life has, has caught your attention. You're like, God, if you're that kind of a God that you can transform this person who I know pretty well, and they're now this, God, I, I need that. That's the best testimony the best message you can preach to your loved ones and neighbors is to continually let God renew you. Continue that because they're watching it. They see it. They, they're the <clears throat> they benefit from it. They're the ones there. And so as we do that, that is my heart as your pastor. That is my, my heart for myself is that we continually let God work in each of us 
to change the way we think, to shift our, the wrong mentalities is to, and to take us to new places. And today we launch in Romans 15.1 and for the first time, I'm admitting publicly that I need these things. I squinted too hard last week and had to guess at a word or two and I'm not doing that this week. All right, it is a little bit of pride. I'm sorry. Help me. So Romans 15.1 says, We who are strong... Uh, man, this is clear. This is awesome. <laughs> this is so cool. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We could camp right there all morning. All you, the rest of the year. We who are strong. One of the places is, is so many times this sad thing comes along that somebody begins to think that the stronger the believer they come, the less they can put up with. What? Well, man, my relationship with God is just to a point I just can't stand this anymore and I can't stand that anymore. And, and boy, this just chaps me and this bothers me and I can't handle this. And this world that we live in, it just makes me, I'm just going to pull my hair out. What? No, 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 no. Do we recognize Things better, yes. Do we see the evil and the mess that we do to each other and, and that this fallen system does? Absolutely. As we mature, there becomes more clarity. But at the same time, if we're mature in Christ, we understand that railing and standing against us is not what changes anything. It's only the grace and the love of God entering a man's heart that ever changes anything. Ever. Ever. So then what becomes our response as we mature and grow as Christ followers? then what we do is we want to be engaged with those around us. And to do that means for us to be involved in each other's lives requires patience. It requires it. You can, the truth is, you can only be around me as long as you can put up with me. That's true. Amen. <laughs> the one who knows the best. You can only be around me as long as you can put up with me. And so if we're going to be able to continue to be involved in each other's lives, to be this iron sharpening iron agent of change, to, sh to let the love of God be revealed in our hearts and in the people we work with and live with and care about, then this place of God-sized patience is going to have to grow up in our lives. In fact... At the point when the scriptures look at it and ask the question, why has God not already just handled everything? It says the riches of God's kindness and his patience cause him to wait. Why? Because it is his heart that none should perish. It's his heart that none should. He wants to draw all men unto himself. So this comes into a very practical thing that we ought to bear with the failings of the weak. Well, that's real easy a place to be judgmental. First off, they're failing, so that's easy. That's not saying the perceived failures. No, it says, no, they're failing. We fail. You ever fail? I fail. I didn't look like I failed. I failed. It wasn't somebody's opinion that I failed. I failed. 
There are the failings of the weak, and then there's the reason that the failure comes. Is there's this weakness. There's not this, this, this strength, this spiritual fortitude that's come along, that to, this maturity that's come along, and we ought to be an incredibly patient group of people. Incredibly patient group of people. As I look back in my own life, have any of you ever had, got embarrassed years later? Am I the only person that ever had something in my life I look back on? I wasn't embarrassed at the time. I was too stupid to be embarrassed. And then later with some wisdom, I look back on that event and I was embarrassed. And go, oh my gosh, I see this with more mature eyes. And now I'm embarrassed. And you want to go back and apologize and go, I'm so, I was so, I'm so sorry. I was so foolish. And I was just smiling foolish. Happily foolish. And my mentor, John Holler, who's now the executive director at Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, is the guy that helped raise me up in ministry. And that guy was so incredibly patient. I literally could list about four or five things that where I ought to have been fired. Nothing breaking law, nothing horrible. No, 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 nothing, no. Just stupid. Just dumb stuff. Just stuff that cost the church like $15,000 than we should have and just dumb stuff like that. And so, and just foolish things, but his heart for me and his patience and him believing in me overrode all of those different things. And I guarantee you, had John Holler not been, if my mentor had not been patient with me, there's no way I, my growth would have stopped somewhere along the way. And the people that are, we are connected with along the way, that we're called to be disciple makers, we have to be patient with them. They're going to do immature, foolish stuff. And we have to be patient with them. And sometimes every once in a while, this beautiful thing of, of being patient and preferring the other shows up out of unexpected places. And obviously with our household, we have a large household. Cutie and I have, have seven children. And, um, and so uh, ranging from 21 to 2. And so, you know, there's all, all the resources from toilets to money to everything. I mean, it's, there's limited amounts of all of that. And, and everybody needs to share and work with each other. And, and time is the biggest one. And you got a bunch of kids involved in all sorts of sports and all sorts of stuff. And they're just periodically, there's just tension. And sometimes it shows up on Cutie and I. We try not to. And, um, but back before um, Keenan was able to drive and we had another chauffeur in the family, praise God, we now have multiple. And, um, but we, we was just Cutie and I and we had people trying to get to here and there and there. And, and this particular day, we had people, kids going multiple places, work responsibilities, all that stuff. And Lyndon was about in the, the third or fourth grade. She was in cheer club. And she had to get back over to school for cheer club. So we are loaded up and trying to figure out, and we're talking on the phone, and there's the frustration of the process is bleeding out of our voices. She can hear the tension. She can hear all of this. And so as we're pulling up to school, Lulu says, Dad, if it's just better for the family that I not do cheer club, I won't do cheer club. I'm like... Oh my gosh, Lulu. That's no, you're doing cheer club. My goodness. If anybody's doing anything, you're doing cheer club because this place of 
this place of preferring the others, all of a sudden it made this connection, it made this awareness, it made us being ready to be able to connect and help her along. All of a sudden her being thinking about the whole family didn't make her lose out on anything. In fact, it, it, it did directly the opposite. See, Paul gets into this concept that, that this heart of love has to be the driver. Let's quickly look at a very famous passage of Scripture. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. We're taking a little break from Romans and detouring into something else that Paul had to say. And in the middle of Romans 13 is sandwiched, of course, in between 12 and um, Romans 13. I mean, 13 of Corinthians sandwiched between 12 and 14. Makes sense, right? And so, and here we're talking about the, the, the gifts of the Spirit and all of these wonderful things. And Paul sandwiches this thing, this place where it seems super spiritual, super mature, and he reminds us right in the middle of this. And let's look at 1 Corinthians 13.1. This is where 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now he had just talked about the fact that this, the gifts of speaking tongues and these, these different things are, 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 are real and powerful and, and how they affect it and they're good. And so and it's all of a sudden now he's bringing some balance back into this, why? Because somebody can get puffed up and prideful and arrogant. And he says, you know, you do that, you speak in the tongues of men and of angels. Every tongue people on the planet use and languages that are only in the heavenlies. But you don't have love, it might as well just be doing this. <laughs> Nothing, clanging, banging around, grabbing a pot and ripping it out because it didn't get stacked in there right. It's that noise. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, Okay, God himself is a mystery. At Celebration Church, we're about knowing God. The ultimate knowledge is to know God. So here we are, Paul's talking about the guy. That you go to this guy and you have a question about the Bible, you have a question about God, you have a question about you, you have a question about any of this stuff, and he gives you the right answer. Not, not the debated, this person's on this side of the aisle. No, this guy actually understands it. This guy actually gives you the right answer. This guy has the theological corner, the right theology hooked up. He understands the cosmos. He understands, the, he understands it all. All mysteries, all knowledge. He's got it locked up and can explain it to you. Sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? Sounds like that ought to be the, the guy that we ought to be running after, right? Nope. Says, if, an, if I have faith that can move mountains... So we have knowledge over here. We want to know God better. And we want to trust him more. Celebration Church. We have faith right here. If I have all knowledge, understand all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. So What? that you understand it all. So what? If you aren't, 
If you don't have love, if you don't express love, if you don't care about the person you're giving the answer to, if you don't understand that, if the people you stand next to in the grocery store, it doesn't matter. Love is where it's at. That's why everybody who's been through our newcomers class understands the fullness of our vision and know God better and trust him more. How do we know if that's happening? Our measure is if people love God and love others. That's how we know it's really happening, loving God and loving others. It's not just knowledge and faith. We want to know God better and trust him more and have it expressed through a place of love. If I give all my possessions for the good, we just did our offering. We just did this opportunity to give, and it's a good thing that reflects the heart of God. It says, if I give everything to the poor and give my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, I am nothing. Why? Because love is something. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. So one of our core places of detox is to get rid of this concept that somehow the next answer, the next big thing we learn about who God is, all all of a sudden that that's going to be the end all. No, love is it. Love being expressed in and through us is what God is wanting to do. God is love. If he has one criteria, one descriptor, It's love. See, loving others the way God has loved us is the ultimate expression of what he's done for us. Not how many sermons we preach, not how big of checks we write, not how many mission trips we take, not how many Bible verses we can quote, not how how perfect we understand everything. That is not it remotely. It comes down. The ultimate expression is loving others the way God has loved us and what he's done for us. Let's continue to track through Romans. Romans 15, it says, Each of us should please our neighbors for their good and to build them up. Who is your closest neighbor? Unless you live by yourself, it is your family. It is the people you share an address with. If you're married, it's the person you wake up next to. This is where it begins. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. If we get so focused on need, wanting to build us up instead of, and we don't care what happens to our closest part, all of a sudden the whole system is wrecked. It's wrecked. If all of a sudden you turn inward, everything is going to fall in on itself. It's a giant black hole that sucks you and everything else into it. Our best life, we already looked at it in Romans 12. 
Our best life is found in how we can serve others. That's where we live to the bigness that we're called to, not trying to please ourselves. For even Christ did not please himself, as is written, the insults of those who insulted you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So here Paul, who unknowingly is pinning scripture, Remember, he's just writing a letter to Romans. He doesn't think we're going to be looking at this as scripture. He's not, that's not his mentality. He's just writing. People later recognize the hand of God at work here. And so he's saying there's the endurance taught in the scriptures for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Folks, this is why we spend time in God's word, why we spend time in the Bible. Why? Because everything that was written when we have the proper lens and we understand who Jesus is and that's always our starting point, we always understand we start with who Jesus is. We're able to then through his lens and who he is. Jesus already said nobody's seen the Father except me. And the best thing that reveals the Father is Jesus. So the best thing that brings light to the word, Jesus became, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. If we're going to understand God's word, we have to do it through the light of the word that became flesh of Jesus. And so, but as we do that, as we study the, study the Psalms, we study the, the, the Bible, as we study everything that led up, as we study the New Testament, all these different things, the Holy Spirit works in our lives to reveal who Jesus is and what he's done and to help this love thing begin to come about. The beginning of this month, we got to take our family vacation and, and we went on, a, went on a cruise and happened to coincide with Hurricane Earl. And so uh, we did not know Earl was going to go with us, but he went. And so, and, um, so we were headed to, to Cozumel and Progreso and we had a great stop planned in Cozumel and they had to batten down the hatches and take care of everything. So we got, we had to do something else. So we last minute, they were offering this excursion, little go shopping in town and go to this little beach thing. And so we get there and we, you know, we're totally confused. We get out to the, to the pier. We keep our, our, all nine of us went. So we, we keep everybody together and we get down to this spot and we meet this guy, our, our tour guide named Nico. And Nico had little little badges that had his name on them. I loved it that all of a sudden we were now we were identified by who we were connected with. That'll I'll preach all by itself. And so just drink on that a little bit. But so we're all wearing our little Nico badges. So we've got our little Nico, and he's our tour guide. So we get on the bus, and Nico was telling us everything, and and. Uh, He's got this wonderful accent that I won't even try to do, and, uh, and so, no, it would be considered bad, and so, it would come off as mocking, and that's not what I mean, and so, um, but anyways, it's awesome, so Nico, and, and we think, okay, this is the guy who's going to be on the bus, he's, he's, our, he's our tour guide thing, so he's telling us as we're driving around, and he's doing the tour guide thing, and explaining the city, and the port, and how everything comes, and all this works, and it was great, and, and so we do this thing, and, and um, uh, so then we, we finish that, and we go on to the beach, and he's telling us as we're there, he said, hey, you're going to want to get with the guide, who is do the snorkel guide. You want to follow the snorkel guide. 
And because that way you'll be able to see the fish and have a great experience. And so we get the snorkel gear for everybody and we get all that. And so we look over and we go to look for the guide. And who is it? It's Nico. It's like the same guy. He just puts on his stuff, went and changed. He's got his flippers and his mask and his little stuff. And it's Nico. And so he sit there and he takes everybody out and takes everybody into the water. And he never quit being tour guide. Kid said he'd sit there and swim underwater and want to point something out. And he's underwater going. <laughs> like he just never turned it off, but he didn't want you to miss a thing. He didn't want you to miss a thing. People, as you begin to connect and you begin to really embrace that not just we want you to know God better and trust him more, but that you want to know God better and trust him more. That you are hungry for that. You're not just thrown out into the deep and say, hey, I, I hope this works for you. The Holy Spirit is there to guide and to point out things you wouldn't have seen otherwise. To help show you along as you journey through the scriptures and as you study and as you interact with people. It's amazing how you let the Spirit of God respond to you and somebody that's rude and you initially you want to just go back, the Spirit of God says, man, they're having a bad day. Ask them, ask them if their day's okay. And you go, man, are you, you okay? Uh, no. No, I'm not. And all of a sudden, something that could have been a point of conflict turns into a ministry moment because we let the Holy Spirit be our guide and the Holy Spirit's pointing to this rude person going... <laughs> Here's this connection. Here's this moment. Here's this opportunity. Man, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives and, and change things so, so much. I want us to, woo, not used to this. I want us to look at some commentary and look at uh, the message translation, what old Eugene Peterson had to write here in the message translation. This helps us understand this. It says, those who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. Not just those, not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Oh, that is so good. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles. He waded right in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled, is the way he says the scriptures put it. This mindset, this, this thought flow, that all of a sudden that all of this is just about us is, is so broken. But that we don't matter is equally broken. That God wants to move in and through you is what this is about. I hope as we're going through this detox, yes, there's some junk that needs to fall off your life. Is there some habits you need to detox from? Yes. Does the Holy Spirit want to help that? Absolutely. Are there some thought patterns that you need to detox from? Yep. Are there some word usage and some sentence structure that need to be broken out of your life? Probably. Are there some things that, some, some, some mentalities that need to shift? More than likely there are. But the biggest place is embracing who God is and who you're called to be. And as soon as you quit warring with that, I'm telling you, the rest of the stuff begins to come in line. It begins to come in line. 
May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and with one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. He accepted you. He accepted me. I'm telling you, our place is to get into people's lives, to show the love of God and let that change the world. See, knowing God better and trusting him more brings a life of hope and power. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness. What? What? Paul just totally jacked it up. Wait a minute. I thought that we were sorry, old people, slime of the world, happened to be saved by grace. He understands. He already has been talking about that we're going to be renewed, that we're going to be changed. You know what? There was a date that we were simply sinners saved by grace. That happened. That was a moment. But as soon as that took place, you're now a son or daughter of God. You're a child of God. And his, his life is in you. And the more you allow that to work in your life, the more his life begins to be revealed in and through you. And then as that comes along, then somebody on the outside can come along and look and say, I'm convinced that you're full of goodness. And you know what? The Romans may have gone, you know what, Paul? We're convinced we're not. But he was speaking and he was, he was encouraging them. He was speaking what, the, what God was seeing in them. I'm convinced you're full of goodness. Filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Paul echoes this in Ephesians 1.17. And I pray this over you all the time, whether you know it or not. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Why? Because as you know him better, you trust him more. You find out he's trustworthy and trust begins to flow. Trust doesn't have to be this effort, this weight you put on. Oh, I got to trust God. I got to trust God. As you understand who he is and how much he loves you and how much he's for you, trust begins to flow. And then the last takeaway as we skip through Romans 15 is this beautiful, amazing moment where we're really able to connect, where we trust God and we grab a hold and we understand who he is and what he's done. And we grab a hold of those who are struggling and who are weak and who are difficulty and going through problems. And this is this beautiful connection. See, joining in the struggles of others through prayer is one of the best ways that we can support one another. Paul, who's writing scripture, is in that moment asking for prayer. He is under the influence of the Holy Spirit, writing for scripture and asking for prayer in his struggle. Do you get the weight of that? 
Do you understand what we're about to read here? Paul is writing scripture. He's being influenced and inspired by the Holy Spirit. We are studying what the Holy Spirit penned through him all these years later, and he asks for prayer. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, that you join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. He doesn't say, join me in, in being as awesome as I am in following God. He says, join me in my struggle. As he's writing this, he's still having some sort of struggle, these difficulties. Things aren't just smooth and along, smooth along and perfect for him. And he's asking for prayer. Folks, we can join in each other's struggles through prayer. Prayer matters. Prayer makes a difference. It makes a difference. It changes things. He goes on to say, pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. I don't think there's any remote coincidence that Paul closes his place of asking people to join him in prayer and declaring that the God of peace be with you all. I know I'm not the only one in this room has, who has faced a difficult thing personally or alongside with somebody. Join in prayer and step into that and find and step into that place of peace and hope that seemed like you couldn't grasp it otherwise. And then all of a sudden, and stepping into God and taking it to God, sometimes just being bold enough to say, God, I don't know what to do, but I believe you do. God, I'm frustrated, help me. God, this and this, and just taking it to him in prayer, we step into this place of peace. Man, I'm telling you, it changes everything. Our bottom line today is that a life of trust is a life of peace. Any place we have anxiety, any place where things are out of order and chaos is a place where we're not fully letting God have his way there. We're not trusting him. I'm not telling you it's easy, but I'm telling you as we begin to wade through it, jump into the middle of it, you'll find God carrying you to a place of peace. And again, Letting God show himself in you is the best thing that you can do for him. He wants to show himself through you. You're his kid. He loves you. And he loves all those you come in contact with. This is the part of the service where we want to make a, a moment for those who maybe have been disconnected from God, have felt on the outside and come to find out that you've been included all along, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and you've had an awakening that, that God is for you and, and with you. And now it's your opportunity to receive it. It's a beautiful thing to have your eyes opened and desperately be in need of a meal and find that you've been sitting at the table the whole time. It's been before you the whole time. He loves you that much. He has fully reconciled us in Christ. 
then today some of your eyes are open. And you say, Father, I recognize it. I see that on my own I'm stuck, but in you, you've done it all. And if that's you this morning, I want you to just raise your hand and just acknowledge it. Awesome, awesome, yes, yes, wonderful, yes. Believers, I want you to lift your voice with these. We want to just pray together. See, just accepting and believing it is, it's by faith we're saved. And now we're going to make a declaration. We're going to pray. And you do this every day. Just talk to him. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for reaching me where I am that you are here and present that you sent Jesus and because of what he has done I've been made right with you I'm forgiven I'm set free I'm your child and I thank you for the Holy Spirit alive in me changing me from the inside out in Jesus name amen amen yes wonderful praise God well if that was you this morning and we've got some resources we've got some some boxes that have a bible and some worship music like we do here and and a little book that explains this new life in Christ and so we'd love to put that in your hands and you can see the Hernandezes or the Lahones or or the Chavez's in T9 and um, we've got those resources. Um, also, if you need any prayer, we have our prayer teams who are here as well who would love to pray for you. Just get somebody. Just grab somebody you trust and just pray this morning with them. And it doesn't have to be somebody special. We're all believers. We all have access to God. And let's just pray together. So I want to stand up and uh, we're going to go out of here and We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We are thankful, Lord, for your hand at work in us, Lord. And we want to be your people revealed to the world, Heavenly Father. Lord, we want all of the mess and the toxic and the junk, Lord, to just come out, Heavenly Father. Lord, that your Holy Spirit flow just brings it out. Lord, any place of unforgiveness, any place of hate, any place of fear, any place of shame, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you just bring it all out, Lord, and we just ask you to move right now. Lord, we just leave it. We just dump it off, even at this moment. Lord, and we go out of here refreshed and thankful, Lord, that we're equipped, Lord, Lord, to step into the, the lives of the hurting and the broken, Lord, and to enter into those struggles, the place of prayer. Open our eyes to it all week long in Jesus' name. Amen.